Well, you just heard Ray Stajic there expecting some uh, bad weather later on today, this afternoon, um, into the evening. Might catch you at the end of rush hour. We're also still under an air quality alert. Uh, so drive safe and breathe safe out there. Um, and uh, by the way, I forgot to mention this Monday, U.S. women's uh, soccer team plays the Netherlands tonight, 9 p.m. in uh, their second game of the World Cup. Well, it seems like the uh, University of Michigan is going to be without Jim Harbaugh for for four games. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, and the NCAA are the verbiage negotiating a resolution uh, to punish Jim Harbaugh. uh, Not really for having uh, contact with players during the COVID-19 dead period and having uh, coaches in places that they weren't supposed to be uh, in practices as analysts. Uh, cause those are minor violations. The, 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 the suspension is coming from him lying about it to NCAA investigators and, um, not cooperating. And here's my question. If this is a punishment, why do they have to negotiate it? I mean, when, when you're a kid and you got busted by your parents, you didn't get to negotiate being grounded for, for a week or two days. You did wrong, and they got to pick what the punishment was. I, I, I think, honestly, the fact that um, he's probably going to be suspended for the cupcake portion of the uh, season, the first four games, the non-conference uh, schedule against East Carolina, University of Nevada, Bowling Green, and one one game against uh, Rutgers from the Big Ten should be the, uh, the uh, compromise um, in this deal, uh, I, I I don't know why um, a punishment has to be negotiated. That kind of uh, negates the purpose. But uh, Big Ten Media Day is tomorrow, and he's expected uh, to be there. So I'm sure that he is going to be um, annoyed and righteously indignant. Uh, Jay Freeman on my ones and twos this morning. Are you a big online shopper? Uh, how you doing this morning? Yes, I am. I shop a lot online. Okay, well, good news. Your packages are going to continue to come on time uh, because UPS, uh, the Teamsters Union, uh, have come to a tentative gre- uh, deal. Uh, 340,000 people in the Teamsters Union, and uh, Teamsters are calling this agreement historic and overwhelming. Um, and at the beginning of this week, word was that both sides were about 95% of the way there on a new c- contract, and uh, these were the stipulations that UPS was asking for. They wanted air conditioning in the truck. Um, they wanted uh, an end to the two-tier wage system, which is uh, one of the things I believe the uh, the UAW is negotiating with the big three. Um, higher wages and Martin Luther King Day off. It's insane to me that, that, number one, not only did they not have MLK Day off, I'm surprised that wasn't a bigger controversy once upon a time. Uh, it's insane to me they haven't had air conditioning in their truck. That that seems inhumane to me. So, um, fun fact: if uh, if I ever got blown out of radio, uh, driving a school bus or a UPS truck would be my dream job. I guess Kevin James made it look so glamorous in King of Queens. Uh, Rashad Trice, the the uh, man accused of kidnapping and killing two year old uh, Winter Smith, has been indicted on federal charges. U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Michigan, Mark Totten. Um, charged him Tuesday with two counts, kidnapping resulting in death and kidnapping a minor. And uh, he could face up to the death penalty 
uh, in these federal charges. He's going to be arraigned at a pretrial conference on federal charges um, for August 7th. And this is on top of the 20 uh, state charges consolidated by Attorney General Dana Nessel. Uh, real scary story. LeBron James's 18-year-old son, Bronny James, we found out that he uh, went into cardiac arrest on Monday um, at, UFC, uh, at uh, USC basketball practice where he's uh, an incoming freshman. Um, classy move by uh, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. Remember, he uh, collapsed on the field last season against the um, uh, Cincinnati Bengals when he went into cardiac arrest tweeted out prayers to Bronny and the James family as well here for you guys, just like you've been here for me and my entire process. Uh, obviously it's very scary. This is a young kid, great physical shape. Uh, last summer, another incoming USC Trojan, uh, Vince, Vince, Uwa Chaco. I've been practicing that, but not enough. Uh, he was hospitalized for a number of days after suffering cardiac arrest and they returned to the team uh, in January to play 14 games. And uh, how about LeBron's inner circle? I mean, you did not hear a thing about this until the day after and after uh, Bronny was actually out of the ICU. So uh, it's got a lot of good people around him, trustworthy people. Lawmakers are propo- are preparing to hold their hearing on UFOs today. Here's Fox and Chad Pergram with more details. The hearing addresses the most important questions of all time. Is there other life in the universe? And are there truly UFOs? GOP Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett called the hearing. It features military pilots who've seen strange things while flying for the U.S. Burchett thinks the government has something to hide. I guess you could say, why are they still covering up Kennedy? The, the Kennedy assassination. One witness is former intelligence officer David Grush. He contends the military has pieces of a craft that is not from Earth and may even hold remains of an extraterrestrial pilot. After the first hearing on UFOs in 50 years in 2022, Congress mandated the military document claims of UFOs in last year's defense bill. Jay Free, do you believe in aliens? I believe there has to be some aliens out there. I mean, there's like animals and insects as small as ants and as big as whales it has to be something out there yeah the universe is too uh is too vast for there not to be other intelligent life out there not you know i don't know if they're green men with the big giant heads but i think like bacteria has been found on mars uh you know i mean as infinite as the universe is there's got to be like another planet that has something similar to humans out there and uh, i don't know what they're going to uh, uncover at today's hearing, but uh, we will be watching. And if uh, there's any shocking revelations, you know you'll hear it first on First Thing. Former Marine Trevor Reed, who was released by Russia in a prisoner swap for drug smuggler Konstantin Yaroshenko, has been injured fighting for Ukraine against Russia. Now, if you remember, Reed was freed back in April of 2022 after spending three years in a Russian prison. Haven't been really any details released on Reed's injuries and his family has declined to comment. But a source says that he was transported to a hospital in Kiev and now he is uh, in Germany for further medical care. And of course, the uh, U.S. government warns against going to Ukraine and fighting against Russia. But uh, I don't know. Good for him. I I I would imagine that uh, after after that uh, ordeal, whatever he had to deal with behind bars, whatever horrors and tortures he was subjected to, uh, you probably would like to get revenge on on the people who um, carried those things out on you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and a 
unspecified number of staffers. Luckily, we're not injured in a car accident in Tennessee yesterday morning. Um, he was driving in a motorcade, uh, just like uh, uh, Trevor Reed's injuries. N- not a whole lot of other details out about this. Um, he was in Tennessee for a number of scheduled fundraisers, and uh, I'm not sure if he made those fundraisers. Hopefully he did because his campaign needs it. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. All right, just minutes away from JR Morning with uh, Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Nick Roddy. And, you know, (laughs) oh, bless you. You know, Guy, Lloyd is such a great guy. He has personally volunteered to escort Beyonce to and from Ford Field (laughs) if the weather gets bad later on. How about that? You know what? What a guy. Listen, you know, it's a hard job. You've already got a big umbrella waiting. It's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. Well, you, you know what? Your sacrifice <laughs> will not go unnoticed by the Bayhive. Oh, yes. In fact, I'm getting a little choked off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what, Lloyd? And if you need help helping Beyonce, oh, you go ahead and give us a call. I will. Oh, man. So uh, uh, it looks like uh, we're going to get another hearing on, on UFOs today. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to come out of it. But, Guy, you sent me, uh, and we're going to hear from uh, Representative Tim Burchett from Tennessee. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, gold like this. And we're going to get to the bottom of it, dadgummit. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I I wasn't sure I wasn't listening to uh, Foghorn Leghorn (laughs) or... Or Yosemite Sam there. Uh, but yeah, you know, what, he's, what he says is interesting. He says, look, whether it's the Pentagon, whether it's the intelligence community, they all tell us there's no evidence that UFOs exist. And yet they won't let us see the evidence. So, I mean, if, if, if you've got evidence they don't exist or if you can debunk this, then fine. Share us with us the raw data. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I predict a lot of, of uh, grainy video. Um, that's not necessarily conclu- uh, conclusive and everyone else just uh, coming to their own conclusions. But, I mean, it would be great. It would be great to get, like, a, a really clear weekly world news photo that's, like, that's official, you know, of, uh, of, uh, of like, an alien laying on the table at, at Area 51 or something. No, no, I, yeah, you he know. says there's not going to be anything like that in this hearing, though. He I, don't understand. I don't understand why there's, you know, not great pictures with all the great uh you know pictures that we can right. take now and the you know high definition and green light <laughs> right same, i mean same thing with bigfoot you know You're like right. we we all have these professional quality cameras in our pockets at all times why don't we have a good picture of any of this stuff I mean, those pictures from the james webb telescope that came out a few months ago the pictures of the other galaxies right. we have right we can't even get something on our own sky right you can't even zoom in a little bit yeah. and get a decent so I don't. I, I mean, UFOs do exist. It's it's just a, 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 a an object in the sky you can't um, you can't uh, identify. So uh, I have a feeling a whole lot of nothing's going to come out of this. But uh, you know, you it's know, the th- video that still freaks me out, Mike, is the one that the 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 Air Force pilot is tracking, and they watch it dive into the ocean. Right, right. It that one still. It's like okay, we we've got nothing that can do that. Right. That's the one that I want explained. And right. you're right. These are unexplained phenomena. But I mean, that they, whatever that see, and that's kind of like the, the, the grainy film I'm talking about, too, because it's like a little dot. It's very fuzzy and it dives into the ocean. But 
what if it's just something falling into the ocean, you know? Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm sure we will uh, c- cover it extensively um, uh, tomorrow on, on the show if, if something comes out, if something comes out. Um, so we're about, we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, Nick, I started the show today complaining about a complaint and asking why Jim Harbaugh gets to negotiate his his um, punishment punishment with the NCAA. <laughs> is that is that common or no, it's not common, but it's probably a leak by the NCAA to kind of get the ball rolling. Uh, Harbaugh and Michigan were kind of saying that we're not really going to negotiate. They're pushing back on the suspension. This is probably just a tactic by them to say, hey, we're serious about this. Let's let's get it going. Right. Well, you know, it's 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 going to be tough playing East Carolina and Rutgers uh, without Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. How will they win? How can they possibly prevail? They got to dig down deep. All right, JR Morning coming up after the news. Thanks for listening. Talk to you in a few. China sent 37 warplanes over Taiwan earlier this week as Taiwan began military drills to prepare themselves for the possibility of an attack from China. Now the United States is partnering with Australia and 10 other allies to run drills of their own in case the fighting spills out down to them. Mike Rogers, uh, former chair of the House Intelligence Committee on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Right now, there's some uh, pretty intense military exercises uh, being carried out in the Indo-Pacific region. You know, that's the area where China uh, really wants to gain full control. Well, it also happens to be where Australia is located. So they're partnering, Kevin, with the United States, uh, 10 other countries, having a combined exercise involving tens of thousands of troops. Yeah, let's bring in Mike Rogers, senior advisor for the National Security Institute at George Mason University, former congressman, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Always good to hear your voice. Is this something you're keeping an eye on? Is this something we should be keeping an eye on? Well, I think you're going to see more of this. So this exercise has actually been happening for about 10 years. Uh, It just hasn't been at this scale, and it hasn't had this many different countries, you know, Japan, Korea, uh, even the smaller Papua New Guinea and and Tongo, and those kind of smaller little island countries are also participating. And this is important because it sends a really clear message to China that has been abusing its neighbors in the Pacific Rim and certainly being more aggressive toward U.S. air flights and and freedom of navigation patrol. So this was, I think, a really important statement that that region will come together to defend itself against the Communist Party in China. Look at the all talk guys just 10 years late on this story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the reason this is a big story is because it's so big. In the the past, it's been uh, small units go over and do some joint training exercises. It's more, uh, you know, classroom things. This was a giant field exercise that's why it's a big story now how does china respond uh you know they're gonna i think they're gonna continue to do what they do by you know harassing freedom of navigation patrols by us and the japanese and the australians uh and uh i I think that's what you're gonna see in the short term um you know they're gonna have to this is a calculation for them they're gonna see that uh, that these nation states come together to train and by the way the hardest thing in a combat environment is to work not only with other units of your own military, but it's really hard working with units of someone else's military, even for the same purpose. And so when they see this kind of thing, it's going to make them stop and pause for a second, but they're still going to continue harassing our aircraft, harassing our ships, doing things like that. 
Yeah, that's really what seems to have changed pretty radically over the past couple of years is China's aggressiveness. So in light of that, you mentioned the the various different nations that are getting involved for the first time. This happens, what, every two years, I guess, this exercise. Uh, what does it say to you about uh, the fact that Germany, for the first time, is getting involved in these joint exercises? Um, does, is, is that very telling to you about that part of Europe, seeing this area as a significant threat? It, it does. And you have to remember, about two-thirds of all the world's trade flies through uh, or, or, you know, goes through the Pacific Rim area, specifically the South China Sea. And so when China gets more bellicose, it impacts a country like Germany, which is a manufacturing country, relies on the ability to get goods and services through those straits for its its national economy. And so, yeah, I mean, having Germany show up is a big deal. This is the first time they've kind of, A, been to Australia in any real and meaningful way. Uh, and put troops on the ground, you know, that's a big deal. That that says, and it, I think should highlight to the, to the rest of the world, too, how important this is to keep China in the box. I mean, these are all, this is all insurance policy to make sure China doesn't step out of the box and we get into a shooting war. Nobody wants that. Are we kind of preparing? I mean, you look at all the nations involved in this, and really the the main threat here is China in that region. you get got all these surrounding nations practicing for something if something breaks out in the Indo-Pacific. Are we essentially preparing potentially for uh, another world war? Well, you you hope it never comes to that. But, you know, our military is always uh, supposed to prepare for the worst. We want them preparing for the worst. We want them the best trained, the best equipped, uh, the most motivated uh, force in the world. Uh, and because just in case, and again, it's a deterrent. You really want them to look at these military operations and all the preparation and say, do I really, do I really want to do this knowing that there's a can of whoop-ass right over the horizon? I think that's really important for them to get that message uh, and, and, and understand that we're preparing for a world war. You know, again, when I was a, a young Army officer, we prepared – for the big one against the Soviet Union all the time. And that's what our thinking and training and doctrine was all about. And you hoped it never happened, but you need to be prepared. And so, you know, yes, I guess you say the short answer is yes. The longer answer is be prepared for that in any interim uh, of a lower mediation conflict uh, that comes along uh, in the the upcoming years. And again, you hope the whole purpose of this is to not have a shooting war. Well, we can train and we can prepare, but do we have the people if Beijing decides to move on Taiwan, considering all the efforts and resources we put into Ukraine? Uh, well, people was, wouldn't necessarily be the problem. The people who are... Uh, we have bullets. The they, they said we were yeah, running well, out of ammo. It, well, the, uh, it really important here is that how the United States has allowed its uh, industrial base, its manufacturing industrial base, including in Michigan, by the way, to atrophy. That is a problem we will need to rectify yesterday. And what all of these things do is stress that system. And, and, and hopefully Washington, D.C. is finally getting the, 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 this wake-up call that all of this just doesn't happen. You can't say we'll pay it next year or we'll do it two years from now. You always have to be prepared when you have an adversary like China who is preparing for war. They say that in their doctrine. They show it in their training. 
uh, and they're certainly showing it in, uh, in their aggressiveness around the world. And so we have to rise to meet that challenge. And you are right. This highlighted uh, just uh, not only in Ukraine and other places around the world that are industrial-based manufacturing for ammunition, missile systems, other things is not where it needs to be. We have time to fix it, but we're going to have to focus on it. Yeah, that's concerning that the military manufacturing in this country has atrophied, particularly in Michigan. And you look at the Navy, the difference in that, China versus the United States, and the focus and priorities in the Navy for this region is incredibly important. There seems to be a little bit, I think, a controversy when it comes to the United States selling um, submarines to Australia, uh, working with them on that. I remember I think France was pretty upset when that occurred. What is the latest there, and how is that playing out? I mean, are we are we at risk of losing some of our submarine power here in this country by giving it over to Australia? No, you can't have a more better, reliable, determined ally than the people of Australia. Uh, you know, when I would go overseas uh, to remote places of the world uh, where things were getting dicey, you could always look around an operations center. You'll always find the Australian military. I mean, they have been with us even longer than the Brits have been with us, candidly, on more conflicts. And so they are going to be a really uh, a punch above their weight ally in any deterrence to China uh, because they're there. They're in their backyard. This is in their, you know, they're in their pool, uh, so to speak. And so I think it's absolutely critical uh, that we partner with them. And the reason you want U.S. submarines is to, because it's completely interoperable with our own mm. fleet. They'll get our training. Uh, they'll get our training on our weapon systems. They'll get training on our weapon systems. And so when that sub deploys, it is like an extension of the United States Navy and vice versa. When we're in the area, we can know, hey, if we get in some trouble, our Australian friends with some really capable uh, yeah. uh submarines. And again, this is all about not getting us more involved in the world, the U.S. It's really about empowering our friends and allies, deep friends, deep allies, uh, to help push back on the Chinese so we're not doing it all. Yeah, we're not doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah, Great. I appreciate you coming on. We do. Mike Rogers, Senior Advisor for the National Security Institute at George Mason University, a former congressman as well. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Great insight as always from Mike Rogers. Now, uh, the question is, U.S. Senate run. He's been talking about it. Will he? Won't he? Stay tuned. We'll find out. All right, so a lot of funky things happening in the sky today. We have a, uh air quality advisor uh, alert for uh, um, sensitive folks. Uh, we have thunderstorms I just saw on Channel 4 uh, rolling in between 2 and 9. So, uh, Beyonce, if you're listening, you might want to get to Ford Field a little bit early to beat the weather. Confessed high school shooter Ethan Crumbly will be back in court tomorrow and Friday ahead of his sentencing. Former Judge Vonda Evans joins Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson on JR Mornings to discuss, to discuss his fate, as well as his parents who are also facing charges. As we were discussing earlier this week, there will be something called a Miller hearing that will determine whether Ethan Crumbly, the confessed killer of four fellow students at Oxford High School back in November of 21, whether or not life without parole is a suitable sentence for him. And yes, they're going to bring in a lot of psychologists, a lot of victims to discuss what happened. But there is also a question being asked about his parents. James and Jennifer Crumbly marked 600 days behind jail bars yesterday. Now, in normal cases, 
a pretrial accused felon only spends 45 days in jail with a high bond. And in this case, the question is, is a half million dollar bond that has kept them behind bars justified when other similar accused felons are set free pending trial and that there are other ways to track them if there's a risk of them fleeing? So it begged the question, is this just? Is it fair? And is this a matter of just this being a high-profile case determining what justice offers? Who better to connect with on this than former Judge Vonda Evans, who spent 22 years as a judge in Detroit presiding over one of the busiest courts in the state and one of my favorite jurists. Judge Mm -hmm. Vonda, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. So good. I haven't seen you in a long time. I trust that you're doing well, but we're delighted that you could bring your expertise to this. Just in general, if you look at this objectively, looking at a half million dollar bond, these parents may have behaved irresponsibly, but they didn't pull the trigger. They, according to their attorneys, offer no threat to society. Uh, even a law professor weighed in with uh, one of the media reports on this and saying that the bond is ridiculous and abusive. Do you agree, or is that kind of bond justified in this case? See, you have to look at a bond on a case-by-case basis, okay? Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, is the Michigan statutes basically say, look, you have to look at the seriousness of the offense, the protection of the public flight risk, et cetera. Um, and what you have to do is, is that when they, you know, came before the court and it was a, a review by two higher courts, Basically, they said, you know, the prosecution said, look, you know, they missed their court hearing. They had four burner hearings. They had $6,000 when they were actually found. Their license was obscured. They had credit cards. They had burner phones, Social Security cards, and they had missed their arraignment, and they had knowledge of the pending charges. Taken together in what we call the totality of the circumstances, the prosecution argued these are not people who are going are willing to come back because look at the behavior they exhibited prior to uh, you know coming into custody. These were not people that just came willingly into custody. As a matter of fact, they were found in Detroit, and according to police sources, they were crouched behind the door. And they're like, you know, what's going on here? And one of the things that they have to definitely look at is whether or not they would be able to come to court or not come back to court. And, you know, there's an argument, well, you know, you could use some type of a tethering device. But these are serious issues. You know, you said four counts of involuntary manslaughter, four young people lost their lives. And then you say, well, you know, the the critics say, well, you know, they just were acting negligently, you know, with their son or whatever. But then when they get information that they could be charged, the prosecutor is saying, look at the behavior that they exhibited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Judge Evans, you know, the bond was was challenged on two occasions and it was upheld. Now, does that undermine the argument that it's unfair or is this a circumstance where a judge who has to answer to voters is letting politics and self-interest get in the way of fairness. Well, the thing about it is, is that, you know, the higher courts have to defer to a lower court, okay, if they can find that there was reasons 
for their decision. That it wasn't just, you know, out the blue or arbitrary or, or anything like that, but whether it was sound or not. And based on these factors is, you know, when according to the prosecution, they went to the bank and took out $2,999 and left a mm-hmm. dollar in his account. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you wait the day before to get $6,000 out of your bank account? You know, and when you're found, you got your social security card. And the argument, or maybe not, you know, people believe is that maybe they were trying to flee potentially to Canada or something like that. It doesn't look good, you know what I'm saying? And right. it has to pass the smell test. Well, and those that are, uh, you know, calling into question whether or not this is fair and just also overlook a, a pretty, I think, pertinent fact, which is the reason this case has taken so long to get to trial, the reason they've been behind bars for 600 days is they have continually challenged and appealed the very charges that they are facing. So they have delayed this trial based on their own court proceedings and their own motions. It's kind of hard to complain when you're the one that is manufacturing these delays. Well, you know, obviously they have a right to, you know, test the decision of the judge and you're right. You know, you can't have it both ways, you know, and that's the thing because the law says that delay due to pretrial motions, filing on the motions until the conclusion of the motion is not calculated when you talk about a speedy trial or even when you talk about the bond issue. Um, I mean, you know, going to trial, you, you that's excluded from that time due to, you know, that delay attributable to that uh, time. So you can't have it both ways, you know. And, you know, and this is a very complex case. It's one, it's, you know, one of the first of its kind. And so obviously you're going to have decisions that you don't agree with is by the defense and you're going to test those decisions. So that's the argument. And let me say this to you, having had people not come back to court, right? that's not a good feeling. When you look up and you you know, you're trusting someone and you look up all of a sudden and they're not there. Let me tell you something. You think that the critics would argue against, would be mad. Now, let those crumblies not come back to court and this judge had lowered that bond. Let me tell you something. There's going to be some very <laughs> yes. angry people, okay? Yes. Yeah. And and the people that you, you know, to some degree, you have to answer to. Mm-hmm. This, this, Lloyd, this, this Miller hearing. Yeah is going to be very emotional coming up. Um, Judge Evans, what factors, if you're part of that Miller hearing, and the question is whether you put this young man away for life without parole, what are the factors that you would consider most compelling in in this Miller hearing? Uh, Testimony from victims, testimony from psychologists, testimony from his parents, perhaps? Under Miller, basically, in you know, what you're saying is that with, you know, an adult, what it is is that mandatory life without parole is, you know, the norm. That's just what you get when you are over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And what Miller says is that you can't do it unless you hold a hearing for juveniles because why? There are a lot of factors. The brains are different. 
um, the uh, part of the brain for maturity, making sound judgment really doesn't develop, they say, until uh, in your early 20s. So the Miller factors look at age, immaturity, failure to appreciate risk, transient immaturity, or irreparable corruption. Mm-hmm. Family and home environment circumstances and a homicide and, uh, possibility of rehabilitation. Here's a situation where they're basically saying, listen, this person cannot be rehabilitated. Throw away the key. We're done. And with the science behind it basically saying that this is a brain who is, that has not completely matured, the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court said, listen, you know, you've got to conduct these kind of hearings just to make right. a determination or make a finding. So what the court will have to do is they will have to listen to the testimony. As you indicated, it is going to be beyond emotional. You know, it's, you know these families are reliving um, this situation. And it's going to, you know, this weekend I had an opportunity to discuss uh, with um, your producer that I had to be in Oxford um, Sunday. And it's a very small place. You know, people don't want that, you know, uh, highlight. You know, they're, they're the working class people. You know, they have the mom and pop, you know, uh, oh. hardware stores here and there. And for the world to know that Oxford, Michigan exists, and for something like this, it's a lot it because is. it's a very it small community. They're very family oriented, and this had to rock them. They're not; they don't want to be under the limelight. They're not big city. Right. They're a small well, and building. unfortunately, as you point out, Judge Fonda, this this Miller hearing is going to open up a lot of those old wounds. Uh, but again, it's hopefully the beginning of the end of this process, which will lead to greater healing. Boy, we sure appreciate discussing this with you, Judge Evans. Thanks so much. All right, previewing JR Morning with the crew next. It's First Thing with Mike Parsons.